Hello and welcome to The Flex. Matt Sanjian and Joe Howie here. The Friars set to cap non-conference play this Saturday against Central Connecticut, 2 o'clock at the dunk. I gotta say, Joe, we've been kind of looking at the scouting report here for Central Connecticut, trying to relay some information to the fans, and it's uh, it's a wasteland. <laughs> um. Yeah, they're deep in the 300s on Ken Palm. Um, their biggest uh, role-playing, uh, was he a senior or is he a junior, Matt? The, 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 the biggest player on their team that is an upperclassman that gets significant playing time is six foot six. They do have a six foot eight and a six foot ten guy, but they're a junior and freshman, uh, excuse me, sophomore and freshman um, that are and they're each not really fifteen pounds. Like they're small. Yeah. So, so, so basically, if Watson doesn't have fifty points, um, no, um, <laughs> just kidding. Watson's not gonna have fifty points. He should have a good game though. Um, yeah. Hopefully, he'll build on the momentum from last game. He was a scorching ten of twelve with with twenty four points against uh, Vermont. But this this is a Central Connecticut team that is small. They're inexperienced, and just to be to put it blunt, they're not good. Yeah, if for anybody who's familiar with Ken Palm, they do a simple. Anybody who's familiar with Excel, they do the simple green red conditional formatting, depending on how good stats are. There's not a single piece of green anywhere for Central Connecticut for any of their metrics. The best it gets is just below average. They only have two wins this year. They're two and seven. So, yeah, this is a rough looking Central Connecticut Blue Devils team at the moment. But the flip side, Friars playing well now inside the top 50 on Kempom at 49 after that win over Vermont. I have to say, I think this team played as well as we could have hoped for probably 38 minutes of that game. Yeah, I was uh, extremely pleased with the way the team played. Um, To be candid, I I only uh, tuned in about halfway through the first half. I I was on late with a work call, but I from what I saw, I was extremely pleased i mean in the pregame show i said watson and reeves should have a big night and the the two of them were game high and team high scorers with 24 apiece and reeves was six of 10 from beyond the arc watson was 10 from 12 from the field Uh, that's what you that's what you want out of your senior guys not to mention those two are the guys that have donned the fryer jerseys the longest so Mm -hmm. the chemistry was on point i think Matt, my favorite play of the game was in the second half. Watson was around the free throw line. Nice little dump to Reeves for a layup. The big man can can dish it out, too. Oh, yeah. No, really nice. Honestly, I think my favorite part of this one was how the team started. You're playing in a mostly empty Dunkin' Donut Center on a Tuesday night at 630 at the early game. So not enough time for people to even get to the game after work. Like Kids are still in class. If you have the late classes, like... And right after two back-to-back huge games, you're just not going to have a lot of energy. So you have to manufacture your own. Friars started the game on an 11-0 run. They were up 20-7 to at one point. And they really just, they got out to a hot start and were able to dictate the game from that point onward. Yes, see, this is where uh, I have no idea how the game started just because um, I was on late, but... I think that's so important, especially, you know, during conference play, you're going to get those odd times on those random weeknights where 
you know, people are in class, people can't get out of work. Like candidly, like I, I, I have season tickets. I didn't make the trek up. I knew I had to work. I knew I was just up on sun, uh, Saturday for the URI game. Like it, it wasn't a priority. It was Vermont. But I, I think that's where manufacturing, Matt, I love the way you put that manufacturing your own energy is so important. This was a trap game in every sense of the word. It comes on the heels of the toughest week of non-conference where you have a highly touted opponent in Texas Tech. You have your in-state rival URI who maybe isn't the, the best quality team, but they show up for rivalry games and you got to give them credit. So uh, I think this was a trap game. I think they prepared appropriately and they handled it very well. Like you said, Matt, for 38 minutes, I think it, when you're in crap time at the end of the game, there were there were a couple of nuances that you know, kind of grinded my gears, not making late game free throws, you know, a little bit of a lackluster defense, letting Vermont squeak from a 15 point deficit to a 10 point deficit. Again, at the end of the day, a win is a win is a win. And I'm certainly not complaining, just, you know, a, a little bit of a lack of energy towards the end. But you got the job done. And a little bit of lack of focus to Al Durham, a, a shakier performance from the line than you typically see from him. But you could afford that when you dominate the first 38 minutes even i mean it was funny with the commentators even when vermont started making a little run with under a minute left at no point did anybody think that it was going to change the outcome just making the scoreboard look a little bit prettier that's all that was. i actually Still, matt i i actually disagree i thought the play-by-play guy was terrible the, the entire game <laughs> providence was up like 15 he's like oh this is a great vermont team and he's like uh-oh, like Vermont's opening the door. Like they cut it to 14 just, with like 40 seconds left. Like, come on. He's not just, opening he's the just, door. He's just trying to make sure the viewers stay around because <laughs> otherwise there's no reason to watch. You watch the first 10 minutes of this game, you pretty much know the story of what's going on. And just, yeah, I don't know. That was everything I think the Friars could have asked for. Although you look in the weird category when it comes to stats, Noah Horkler. His usual 10 rebounds, no points. And this kind of – it kind of feels like Horkler and A.J. Reeves swapped places in some ways where Reeves gave you that energy and he was the electricity and Horkler was the guy who didn't have a perfect game but still did a lot of the small things right to keep himself on the floor and still have a good game. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, when it comes to Horkler, you know, sure, you would love him to pour in 10 points, but I'll take the 10 rebounds. I'll take the four assists. I mean, defensively, he was on. Um, he's still the glue guy. You know, one bad night, I don't think changes that. And, and that's not what you were saying, Matt. But I think, you know, you you can give him some slack here. He's been, you know, playing his tail off the, the entirety of the season. One off night doesn't dictate anything for him. Um, and on the flip side, I, I think to sound completely hypocritical. I think one good night is fantastic for AJ Reeves because I think this is the kind of performance that gets his confidence going. You know, it's not necessarily a a cupcake Vermont team. They're very well coached. They're a talented team and Reeves performed. So, you know what? Oh, I hope his confidence is up. Yeah, I agreed. Now I do have one question because this is something as a player, we kind of talked about who could be an X factor and he's trailed off recently that's Bryson Goodine. We thought he could be an impact player coming off the bench. Since coming back from that illness, he has yet to play double-digit minutes in a game. He's not really shooting a whole lot. He just has not registered an impact. I know what I'm trying. And that's this is with Jared Bynum out. 
So the team is really short at guard right now because they're just not giving good on a lot of time. Part of that is Durham's playing well. Breed had himself a, a pretty decent game at eight points the last time out against Vermont. But I don't know. I, I can't tell what's up with good on. I can't tell if this is him still coming back from illness or if he's just a streaky player like we saw last year. Yeah, Matt, I, I think that's a great question. Um, I don't want to speculate on illness. I mean, when he's playing, he's playing. I, I would hope that they're not playing him while he's still recovering. Um, but yeah, with, with when you're down a guard and Goodine's obviously a backcourt player, you, you got to scratch your head wondering where his usage is. Um, he was vital in the Northwestern game, came in, hit four or five from beyond the arc, was, you know, showing signs of being that off the bench energy guy, similar to excuse me, a Drew Edwards from a couple seasons ago where he's not the best offensive piece but can play some tough defense, hit a couple of threes here and there. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if we can use one game as a sample size or two or three games for that matter, but um, you would think that with the shorter bench with respect to the backcourt, that good iron would be you know, getting those minutes. Um, I, what I will say is Cooley seems to be liking this bigger lineup of Durham, Reeves, Manaya, Horkler, and Watson. Um, that's something we saw with a healthy Bynum, too. So maybe, you know, Cooley's just sticking to his guns with this one and doesn't really want to alter the rotation and the minute allocation, but who knows? Yeah, it's definitely something to monitor. Just, I, I think we we know who the top, we know, we know who's going to be in the rotation. We're just still ironing out exactly how many minutes everybody's gonna get and that's gonna continue to happen as you get injuries and everything like that's normal at this point in the season i think that's probably the biggest storyline to monitor especially against central connecticut i mean it's a bad team good i gonna get some time to play everybody's gonna get some time to play in this one hopefully so yeah that's what we're looking at going forward I know we want to talk about some Big East stuff before we get to that one final point on this Friars game against Central Connecticut. If you were Ed Cooley in the locker room, Joe, and you had to get your team up for this game, what's your what's your message to them, and what do you what do you tell them to go out and do Saturday afternoon? If I'm Ed Cooley, I'm telling my team that for the first time in recent memory that this program has the opportunity to come out of non-conference play with a single loss and go into Big East play with a ton of momentum offensively and defensively. I think this is the most well-established early on team. And I'm going to knock on wood here. The most well-established early early season team that we've seen in a long time since the Chris Dunn days. Um, and I, I don't think – I think if you're Ed Cooley, you're not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. You're going to say – this is uh, we're playing an inferior opponent, but we're still playing. You know what I mean? Like this is by no means a cupcake. You treat them like they're Villanova. You treat them like they're Northwestern, like they're Wisconsin, like they're Texas Tech. And you come to play. If you kick their teeth in while you do that, so be it. But you do not treat this game like it's a buy. You treat it like it's every other game that you've played so that you can confidently walk away from Saturday 10 and one going into a very, very, very difficult environment in stores, Connecticut, the following Saturday. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully the team listens to that uh, that little pep talk there, Joe. Hopefully that's what Ed Cooley is saying in the locker room. And that game in stores is as big as we think it's going to be. Now let's let's change gears here. We'll talk about the Big East. Let's start with UConn, who moments before we recorded this just lost a game at West Virginia. 
They were ranked going into that one, I believe, 15th in the country. We'll see how that changes. They're shorthanded. They're very banged up right now. Rumor is some of the guys might be back by the time the Friars play them. But I think this is a UConn team that was projected second in the Big East. And I, th- I think they've been – I don't think that they've been knocked off that mark so far this year. Or at least that's my read on them. What are, what are your thoughts? No, I don't think they've been knocked off that mark. Um, I What are they, 8-2 and two now, Matt? Um, I'm just mm-hmm. pulling up their stuff right now. It's 8-2. and two. I, I mean, they have a couple of quality wins here. They beat Auburn, lost to an unranked Michigan State, and now have lost to an unranked West Virginia. Um, listen, I don't think that they're distalented or untalented, whatever the word is. I don't think that they're not a good team. Um, what I think is that for – people who are, are calling them a Final Four contender are saying that they're really going to challenge Villanova for the Big East crown. Like, I think you got to slow down a little bit here. They lost their best player from last season, and obviously it hasn't had too much of an impact on them. They have eight wins, but we haven't seen them in conference play yet, just like we haven't seen Providence in conference play yet or Villanova in conference play yet or St. John's in conference play yet. Nothing matters uh, until March, quite to be quite honest with you, when it comes to the Big East, because night in and night out, you're getting a quality game. So with respect to UConn, yes, Danny Hurley's a gritty coach. I don't think anyone's going to try and debate that. Is he the risen from the dead Dave Gavitt that's going to lead UConn to every Big East tournament championship game at Madison Square Garden and they're going to walk to the Final Four? No, absolutely not. He's not going to do that. Uh, not at all. They still have to play all these games. They're not just given this, oh, you're second in command to Villanova now. You don't just it's not just given to you as much as ESPN would like to give it to them. So listen, I think they're good. I think they're going to be a very tough out. They match up with us very well. They play a very physical and big style of basketball, which Ed Cooley, you know, he likes to play on that brand as well. So I, I think Yukon is good. Are they that good? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's fair. Obviously, down Adama Sonogo, who's been fantastic as a sophomore, one of the better sophomores in the league. Tyrese Martin banged up right now. They still got to go through St. Bonaventure before they play the Friars. And this is a good Bonnies team. That's a neutral site game that'll happen on Saturday. So that'll be something to watch. But yeah, this is a UConn team. Good, different tier than Nova. Let's go down a little bit. UConn is a team that's projected to be near the top. Another team that's been projected to be near the top was St. John's. They've fallen a little bit in some of the metrics. They are now at 69 in Ken Palm. They started the year up at 51, got as high as 44. How are we feeling about the Johnnies now? Um. So here's what I'll say about St. John's. I think a lot of this preseason hype over them – stems from an overhang from how successful they were towards the tail end of last year. And don't get me don't get me wrong, Mike Anderson did a great job. He was extremely deserving of Big East coach of the year. But they lost a lot of people from their roster. I, I think it was eight or nine players transferred off of their roster in the offseason last year. And quite quickly too. It wasn't like a few came in April, a few came in May, a few came in June. Like they all came in April. Like, I, like, We've had some during the me. season, too. Yeah. Like, there was obviously some... Yeah, there was something under the surface there. And listen, I think Julian Champagny is right now the best case, aside from Nate Watson, for Big East Player of the Year. Colin Gillespie can eat dirt. But 
Uh, I think Julian Champagne is extremely talented. I, I think he's a walking bucket. He's a matchup nightmare. He plays big. He plays small. Uh, I think he has the best case next to Watson for Biggie's player of the year. So I'm not discounting them. I just think they have been surprisingly underwhelming to this point in the season. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think I, I, I definitely think you're right. Teams, the, the conference underestimated the impact of them losing all of those guys. Mike Anderson, I think, is a really good coach. I think this is a program that's probably due for some turnover. That's probably a little bit too much turnover. At least right off the bat. Now, now that can change. They're still a talented team, and we'll see what happens down the stretch with them. They're going to have more than enough opportunities to make up whatever ground. I mean, St. John's right now only has one more loss than the Friars do, and neither of their losses is a bad one. You don't care. They lost to Indiana. They lost to Kansas. That's two good teams. Wins over St. Francis, New York, and NJIT that were close. It's a little bit more concerning, but they still got plenty of time to turn the ship around and get things together. That's a very talented team. Uh, another team that is talented and that we talked about specifically, Ed Cooley talked about this underperformed this year is Butler. Butler has just kind of they they started they kind of reversed with the Friars. They started the year in the fifties in Ken Palm, and now they're the high seventies. They Somehow, though, just one at Oklahoma in overtime. So I, quite frankly, have no idea what to make of this team. I don't know if we've learned anything. I have no idea what's going on with Butler. If um, if you haven't been able to tell, Matt, or anyone listening, I am extremely down on teams that I don't think have proven themselves, and I'm extremely high on the underdogs. I'm still I'm still in on the on the Butler Bulldogs. Actually, speaking of dogs, um, listen, they had a, they had a three game losing streak against Michigan State, 12th ranked Houston, and then Texas A and M. So it's not like they're they're getting upset by. Penn, Long Beach State, and College of Charleston, for any Friar fans who remember that three-game losing streak, they lost to quality opponents. So it's not really a slap on the wrist that you're losing to three power conference teams. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think last night's win was gutsy, especially given they were down some of their more senior guys. Chuck Harris really stepped up. Yeah, that was huge for them. And that's why it's tough to know because – I mean, what do you do with a team that goes to Oklahoma and wins and also loses a home game to Michigan State by 21 points? Uh, those are two very different data points. And over time, we're going to figure out which one of those is more accurate about this Butler team. But it's, it's too close to call. We just we don't know there. And yeah, there's a lot of that going around to the Big East this year. Like St. John's has been slightly underwhelming. Creighton and Marquette have been a little bit better than we expected. Seton Hall, I think, is another team that's been better than we expected. Seton Hall and Providence are probably the two teams that have moved up the most in people's minds with their performance in the non-conference, although that Seton Hall win at Michigan looks a lot less impressive now than it did when it happened. Another team, Xavier, I think Xavier, I liked them a lot coming into the season. I thought they'd be really good. I think they lived up to it at this point. 8-1 and one right now, and Zach Fremantle is only just coming back for them. Yeah, I think, Matt, if we're going to talk about the conference at broad strokes, I think Xavier and Seton Hall have lived up to expectations. I think Providence, Marquette, and Creighton and DePaul, those four teams, have exceeded expectations. I think Butler is right on par. I think 
I mean, by statistical measurement, UConn is on par. They're winning games. Um, I think St. John's has underwhelmed. I'd say Villanova's slightly below average. Um, I, I mean, or below below expectations. I'd say yes, yeah, slightly below expectations. And who am I missing? Georgetown. I think Georgetown's so right Georgetown's not been good. Oh boy! That, but no one expected them to be good. No. Yeah, they have not capitalized on last year's run at the end of the season. By, by the way, Zach Fremantle. Xavier played Ball State tonight. This is Fremantle's first game played with 20 minutes this season, only the third game he's played in. You want to know how many points he had, Joe? How many? 24. 9 of 10 shooting inside the arc, 6 to 6 from the free throw line. Tack on 7 rebounds, 4 assists. <laughs> Fremantle's Impressive. back. Impressive. Yeah. You want to know what else is crazy? Colby Jones for them as a sophomore is nearly averaging a double-double. He has three double-doubles so far this season. One of the matchups, I can't I can't wait to see Colby Jones battling with like Noah Harkler or Justin Manaya for boards. Same with Jack Nungy for the Xavier team. Providence and Xavier, when they go at it this year, they're going to have some really good games. Scruggs against Durham, too. Watson against Fremantle, two very different styles down low. AJ um, Reeves against Nate Johnson. Oh, there's a lot of matchups for that one. I I agree, Matt. I, I think if you're going to look at a crop of teams that, that play a very similar style of play to Providence when, I mean, they don't play the same exact style, but I think when they play each other, the, t- the games are typically close. I think you look at Xavier, you look at Butler, you look at Villanova, you even look at UConn. Like those crop, that crop of teams plays a very similar style to Providence. So it's going to be so interesting to see them in action. Mm-hmm. Um, but live right now, David Duke just recorded his first NBA three pointer for the Nets. Let's go. Big night. Big night. Happy to see him doing well there. Yeah. Former Friar. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. I do want to revisit the tiers that we were talking about for the Big East because I think I think it sorts a lot neater than it did when we first started this. I'm going to I'm going to throw this at you as a tier layout, but I want to see what you think of it. Tier 1. Wait, hold on. I'm opening up I'm opening up the tiers right now. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So, this is this is how I would look at the Big East now that we have seen how it's played out. I'd say tier one by themselves, it's going to be Villanova. That's your, they're going to be a top four seed. Like there, that's just going to be, they're going to probably, they're going to be favored to get to the sweet 16. That's where Nova is. Then I'm going to put UConn, Xavier, Seton Hall, and Providence into that tier two. And that's your, these are teams that should make the NCAA tournament. That's where all of them are top 50 in Ken Palm right now. Uh, UConn is the only one of those teams with two losses, and there's no bad losses in that group. Those are all just good teams so far this year. Tier three, St. John's, Creighton, Marquette, Butler. I'm going to say these are teams that are talented but streaky, and if things break break the right way, they could make the tournament. And then bottom of the barrel, DePaul and Georgetown, just two not very good teams. Does that sound about right to you? I would say that's pretty accurate. Um, I would say, and as much as I don't like this, you can bump Marquette and I, I do like Butler. You can bump Marquette and Butler up into a tier of their own and maybe make five tiers. Um, I think that's fair. I think, I think Creighton's playing well right now, um, but they're very young. 
They are uh, an extremely young team. And listen, it, to hats off to them for playing well in the non-conference. But when you get to conference play, age is going to shine. And I just I, I cannot see Creighton being a, an upper tier team this year. They lost all five starters. And that's not to discredit them or to discredit their preseason success or non-conference success, excuse me. But when they get to the Big East, none of those kids have played in the Big East conference game in their lives. Maybe the Ryan Kalkbrenner, but uh, otherwise Kalk, uh, a lot Kalkbrenner of the freshmen. good for them. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I'm sure you guys know the name Alex O'Connell at this point. He's been a bench player at Creighton for forever now. And now he's starting as a senior. Yeah, that's kind of where they're at. They've got two freshmen and a sophomore in the starting lineup. Yeah, this is a Creighton team. There's talent. I think they're building something. I think they're probably still two years away from being a a solid Big East team. They need to do a little bit of player development, get things going in the right direction again. I think Marquette, it's intriguing to see them with Shaka Smart, but if if those top two tiers, if they're able to pull away from the rest of the Big East, you could end up with a really interesting layout of things where you got a top five that could all be top eight seats. And maybe nobody else makes it. Maybe you have a, a bad bubble for the Big East, but you might have five teams that are good. And I, I, that would not shock me come March. Uh, I mean – we're we're playing extremely long ball right now, but uh, I think you know the the conference has a lot of potential to to get multiple bids this year. Uh, I would say realistically five to seven, if the teams keep playing the way they're playing. If it's one of those years where like the top three or four seed uh, teams in the conference run away with it, then, then no. But if the top seven or eight teams keep playing competitively like we've seen through the first mm-hmm. half of the season. You, then we could be in for a, a seven league bid. Yeah. A seven bid league, not oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no, I got what you meant. This is, it's going to be an interesting year for the conference, non conference play. Starting to come to a close now. We're nearing the end of it. Nova still has a game at Baylor. That'll be an interesting one to watch. Seton Hall will play Texas. Oh, my goodness. What? Are you watching Marquette, Kansas State? No. Kansas State's point guard just hit a three from the snout of their mascot at half court. <laughs> that was so deep. Oh, my God. Wow. All right. Maybe we should knock Marquette down a uh, down a tier here. <laughs> Wait, let's see. Let's see what they do. Marquette's going to try and answer. And they drain a three. That'll wow. do it for the first half. Marquette takes a one-point lead into the half. All right. Well, I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, you'll know the result of that one. It sounds like we got a decent game there. Decent games coming up. Xavier still has their crosstown shootout against Cincinnati. That's their big rivalry. That's the Saturday 830. That's always a fantastic game. Watch that if you can. Creighton has the game against BYU. That's going to be an interesting one. DePaul plays against Louisville. Might not be as interesting. And uh, UConn against St. Bonaventure, also on Saturday. So a lot of teams still with quality games left in this biggie slate. Friars, not so much. Again, they get Central Connecticut State at home this Saturday, 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 2.30 at the dunk. And yeah, two o'clock. This is a bad Central Connecticut team. Friars should win this one. Head to ten and one overall for taking on UConn to start Big East play. I think that's going to do it for us here at the Flex. Heading into this one, make sure you're following us on Twitter and subscribe to wherever you are listening to this. 
so you can stay up to date with our content. Things are starting to get interesting now, so make sure you stay with us. This is really when you want to be listening, right when conference play comes, December, January. This is the time. Basketball is really, really going to get going. So make sure you're right here. For Joe Howie, I am Matt St. Jean. Thank you for listening. And then there was one, Bill Fryers. 